Well, good morning, Pathway. It is a little different today to be with you in this way, but we've done this before, and we know that God shows up when we show up, and even through video, there is something that God can do. I believe you're here for a reason today, and I want you to know that I am excited about where we're at as a church in this generation series. We're learning to follow by faith, and as we do that, God is doing a new thing. I actually right now am in Uganda, and uh, believe it or not, I'm so excited for what this is going to mean, not just for my daughter and I, Hannah, my oldest, is with me, uh, but also for our church family. You see, back in 2019, uh, Compassion came to visit Pathway, and there was the beginning of a partnership that was unfolding, and then this global pandemic happened and kind of slowed everything down. So we re-upped our partnership last year in 2022, and uh, I'm here in Uganda. I'm on site seeing churches and development centers and children, even meeting the child that our family is sponsoring. And with all of that, I'll come back to share, but also to share the opportunity with you to sponsor children and to be a part of Compassion later this year. So it's an exciting time and an exciting season. And God has given me a very clear word for you and I today. It's this idea of rescue and reward. Can you say that with me? Rescue and reward. Yeah, that's right. We serve a God who rescues and rewards us when we enter in by faith to a deeper relationship with him. Throughout this series, we're in Hebrews 11, so let's go there now and let's get started. In chapter 11, we've heard about faith. We've heard some of the stories of those that went before us and the faith that they lived with, and we're going to pick up in verse 6 and 7 today in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 6 is where we'll start. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is a powerful verse. We've been talking about the object of our faith defines how we live. And that object of our faith defines also what we receive. I've got a chair up here, and think about this for a minute. It's not a bulletproof illustration, but it's a pretty good one. I've got to have faith in this chair if I'm going to actually receive what it offers me, right? I've got to have faith that if I sit down in this chair, it'll hold me. That not only will it hold me, but it actually may allow me to experience a little bit of rest. You, you see, it's one thing to believe that this is a chair. It's another to say, by faith, I, I know this is a chair, but it's a whole nother thing to enter in and to actually receive what it can offer. Stay with me if you're taking notes. Rescue and reward, as we look at this, the first step of faith is towards the one who makes the way. The first step of faith, when we think about this idea of a faith in God, is that when we step forward towards him, we realize that he's made the way, and he's actually coming towards us and receives us with arms wide open. It's an amazing truth of the love of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and who he is. He rescues and rewards us, and when we take a step of faith towards him, he is there to receive and to give us all that he has. I actually found myself, uh, it was <clears throat> about 
25 years ago, actually, you can do the math. I was age 19. I had been hired by a Christian camp. And as I arrived at that camp, I was still straddling the fence. I, I had kind of a faith that was somewhat like this, right? It was like one foot out, one foot kind of sitting and believing, but, but straddling the fence even, right? And, and I, I hadn't fully placed my faith and drawn near to God to receive all that he had had. So throughout that week, there was four days, and four days I packed up to leave under what I can look back and say was conviction. I knew I didn't belong there. I knew they shouldn't have hired me, that I really was kind of faking it. And it was actually the very last night that the founder was speaking. And as he's speaking, I'm sitting in a chair and having no idea that the God of the universe is drawing near to me. He's drawing close. He's right there. He's in the room. He's ready. He's knocking on the door of my heart. And as this is unfolding, it's almost as if nobody else is present. It's almost as if, yeah, there was 400, 450 other college students all around me at the time, but it was almost like it was just me and God and him speaking to me. And maybe that's how you're going to experience God today, whether you're watching this on a Sunday morning or from your home or maybe in a vehicle at some point. Be safe if you're doing that. But, but you may have this sense that God is speaking to you. And for me, it was this radical moment where I knew God was saying, it's time. It, it's time for you to draw near to me, to place your faith in me, to trust me, to surrender and receive all that I have for you. God rescued me out of my, the, my pain. He rescued me out of my brokenness. And he began to reward me with the fullness of his spirit and the fullness of the abundant life that he had called me to. That's what this text is talking about. That, that when we actually sit in a space and say, God, I'm yours, he draws near and he rewards us as we take that step of faith. John Piper, a pastor and author, says this, the essence of faith is being satisfied with all that God is for us in Jesus. It's a moment of saying, God, I by faith want to receive all that you have and you are enough. You are enough for everything I'm facing. You are enough for everything I'm going through. You are my rescue. You are my reward. And that is an incredible moment. A moment that is freeing, a moment that is the first step in that by faith journey. And it's a gift. It's a gift that we receive. We don't earn it. We can't achieve it. We receive it. Listen to what Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says about that. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. You see, when I sat there at 19 and began to surrender and receive his rescue and receive his reward, there was nothing I had done that said I deserved it, had achieved it. There is nothing I can boast in. It was by placing my faith in him and trusting his goodness that he began to reward me, change me, transform me. I have never been the same since, and I believe to my core that when you and I receive the rescue and reward of God, the gift of grace, that he changes our lives for the good, that he has so much for us. 
Let me read to you verse 7, going back to the text in Hebrews 11, because we're going to look at somebody who that's exactly their story. Somebody who God rescued and rewarded and used in a mighty, mighty way as they followed him by faith. Verse 7 says this, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. If you're taking notes here, rescue and reward, the next step of faith is into God's preparation and purposes. Can you say that with me? Into God's preparation and purposes. You see, what we learn here is that Noah, by faith, was rescued and rewarded by God, and that there was a preparation process that would begin to unfold. Preparation for how he wanted to use him for his purposes. And for some of us right now, we've received God's rescue and reward, but he has us in a season of preparation, preparing us for the purposes and the things that he has. And that waiting period can be uncomfortable. That waiting period can stretch our faith. But it's actually in that waiting period that God does some of his greatest work by faith. And that's what happened with Noah. Now, you know, we've got to go back to Genesis to see exactly what happened with Noah and to be reminded of some of these things. So turn with me to Genesis. That's at the beginning of the Bible. If you're new to the Bible, welcome. We are so glad you're checking it out with us. And it's actually in Genesis chapter 6 that we pick up the story of Noah. It's said that he built an ark, and maybe you've heard the story, and it's interesting to think about the fact that we put, uh, you know, Noah and the ark on nurseries, right? We put them on the walls of little children, and it's a beautiful thing with the rainbow, rainbow and the boat and the animals and all of that. But it's actually a very uh, difficult story because of what happened during that period of time. Let's take a look here. And, and I just want to make mention of this. This is God's authoritative, inspired word. We believe all that it has to say to us. We wrestle with it. We place our faith in the truth of God's word. That's important to understand because we live in a day and age that's trying to change and shape and reshape the things of God. There's actually an organization right now uh, that has literally taken the liberty of rewriting the book of Genesis and making it available by using AI. Can you imagine? PETA has taken AI and actually said, what would Genesis look like if it was vegan friendly? I hope you're kind of laughing and going, really? You can fact check me. It's out there, it's available right now for $3.99. That would be the most confusing and worst $3.99 you could ever spend. We want to not change the word of God. We want to come into alignment with it and place our faith in what it teaches us. So let's do that now in verse nine. It says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. There's that walk of faith that he had. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, 
For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. It goes on with more details. The massive nature of this ark is incredible. Those measurements would equal about 450 yards, a football field and a half in length, about four and a half stories high, and then about 90 feet wide. This is a massive, 90 yards wide, I apologize, a massive, massive arc. And in this period, God says, here's what you're gonna do with it and here's what it's for. He says in verse 19, and of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. This is because he was gonna send a flood to destroy all the corrupt and violent and off that was the brokenness that was there. It says they shall be male and female of the birds according to their kinds and of animals according to their kinds. Of every creeping thing on the ground according to its time, two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up and it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. That verse is so loaded because that verse covered from what scholars can tell about a 70 to 120 years depending on how you view it and look at it. The Bible's not clear on the timeline but the direction and the faith and the details God gave him occurred over multiple decades for him to build this ark. I actually believe it was probably around 70 years, give or take a few. Now, with that said, this ark as it's being built would usher in his family and the animals to preserve and God com- or Noah did all that God commanded him. He was obedient. There was a period of preparation, there was a purpose that God gave him, and so the question for us is, are we being obedient with the things that God is giving us? Are, are we willing to allow God to take time to prepare us for his purposes? For Noah, that meant very hard labor with he and his sons, probably others around him to a degree, but they're building this ark, this massive structure. You know, there's actually a replica of this ark here in America. It's in uh, Kentucky, and my family visited it on our way, uh, ironically, to Pathway back in 2020. We were driving here, moving here to answer the call, following by faith, and we decided let's let the kids and let's us see this ark. And it is unbelievable how large and, and to experience the sheer size of it to think about what Noah did and how long that preparation took him. You know, it was actually kind of funny. I got Cindy's permission, uh, but this ark experience for us was so overwhelming that being inside of it, Cindy, who tends to get motion sick very easily, actually got seasick and nauseated and had to sit down inside the ark. I mean, bless her heart, right? Like it was such a hard moment for her and for us and something that we laugh about. But if you really think about it, the sheer size of what she was experiencing set in motion just this overwhelming sense of what all of that meant. And sometimes God's plans are like that, right? He's not gonna reveal the sheer size of everything he's gonna do because it would overwhelm us. 
So he doesn't give us all the details, but he says, hey, follow me by faith. Let me prepare you. Let me lead you into the purposes I have. And when it's ready, you'll be ready. And that's the journey of faith with God. Now, verse, uh, chapter seven, verse one says this, then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household. For I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. The floods came, everything was wiped out. After a number of days, they're now released from the ark back into humanity, and it's just the family and a few animals that will now populate and spread the world. Now, you can imagine Noah probably wondering, okay, you preserved us, you rescued us, you've rewarded us now with life and an opportunity for a new purpose on earth. Will you ever do this again? Like, what happens if we become corrupt and violent and sinful what will happen? It's actually interesting because in chapter nine, verse 12 and 13, God makes a promise, a covenant, and it's so important that we understand this in this day and age. You know, we need to be biblical believers that understand the truth of scripture. And in this day and age, the rainbow has come to symbolize something other than what God intended that we live in a time where the rainbow has come to symbolize that underneath that rainbow, all people will be affirmed, not just loved, but affirmed in whatever they believe. In whatever, if you think about the moment that, that Noah had in that generation, that while they were in corruption and violence and sin and all of these different things, that, that God said, no, I can't affirm that. I can't affirm that. That's not what I have for my people. I want to rescue them. I want to reward them. I've got more for them. I've got a life that's free to be his and to live on mission and purpose. And so we've got to redeem the rainbow in this generation. We've got to allow people to understand that it shouldn't just trigger a political and otherwise conversation, but it should bring us back to what is the truth of that rainbow. So let me show you in Genesis chapter 9 verse 12 and 13. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow, which is the rainbow, in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. That rainbow that sits in the sky that we often get to see here in paradise in Vero Beach on the Treasure Coast is something that should remind us of a God who says, I have covered the earth and underneath that rainbow, I love all people and yet there's a lot of violence and corruption and sin and brokenness that includes sexual orientation and identity and many other things. But that rainbow is God's reminder that he has made a promise that he is not going to destroy with a flood, but that he's going to flood us with his love through Jesus, that he reaches underneath that rainbow and he says, I want to rescue you. I want to redeem you. I want to lead you to the life that I've created you for. And that's an incredible message that we've got to help people to hear in this day and age. With that, I want to show you this picture. This picture is, was taken a couple of years ago. It's a rainbow over Pathway Church. And I hope as you think about what is God saying, what is the covenant, what is the promise that we realize that God is saying, I am over my people. I am over Pathway. 
And underneath that, I love all people and I want to rescue them from any sinful, broken behavior. I want to restore them. I want to reward them with a new purpose, a new lease on life, and the abundant life that I've created them for. Noah lived his out. The question will be, will we live ours out? So let's move to this last portion and look at what Ephesians 2.10 says. I shared with you verses 8 and 9. They talk about the gift of faith and that no one can boast. Listen to what verse 9 says. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says, for we are his workmanship. Another translation says his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them or that we should walk in them. What an amazing promise of God. If you're taking notes here, rescue and reward as God steps in and does that with us, Jesus rescues and rewards us and then uses us to share him with others. That is an amazing gift that God gives us. That the beauty of the body of Christ as he reaches in and rescues and rewards and says, now, as I take you out of that state I found you in, as I pull you out of that chair where you were sitting and you were dealing with whatever your sin issues are, whatever your hurts and hangups and hopelessness and habits and addictions, whatever those things are, I want to rescue you. I want to reward you. I want to give you a time of preparation. What does a good artist do, right? They, they take that workmanship and masterpiece, and they start shaping and molding and making it beautiful right where it's at so that you and I can then walk in to the works that God has. God wants to use you in this season. He wants to use your story. He wants you to share him with others. If you've been rescued and rewarded by God, just as Noah then spread that across the earth, we are called to be a people that do the same. Listen to this quote by Derwin Gray, a pastor and author. He says, local churches of love and beauty become a haven of hope to a hopeless world. The body of Christ becomes the corporate expression of Jesus to our world. The power for this beautiful community is found in union life with Jesus. We can't flourish or be beautiful on our own. Only Jesus can be beautiful in us and through us as we live by faith. Say by faith, by faith, right? In him. You see, the amazing thing about it is we'll talk often around here about our vision as a church, to be the church, restoring, raising up, and reaching out. We've used the analogy that we're a hospital where we get restored, where God meets us and rescues us and rewards us, and we grow, and so it's like a home where we have roots, and, and it's a family, and we have belonging, and then God says, now this is my aircraft carrier. I want to send you out. I'm across the world right now as you are hearing this. I'm in Uganda, and I don't know what God's going to do with your life. I don't know if he's going to send you across the seas, but I know he wants to send you across your street. That actually the beauty of the body of Christ is that this rescue and reward is then ours to share with others. That we get sent out to be the church and to share our faith with other people. So what is your outreach temperature like right now? Like, what is your sharing your faith temperature like? On a scale of one to 10, are you a five? Are you a seven? Or are you like a zero and God needs to light the fire again? 
Do you have somebody that you're praying for? That you're saying, God, I I wanna reach out to my neighbor. Would you use me to share the story that I could be a part of rescuing them and seeing that reward of being used for your purposes? It's an exciting thing that God chooses us to rescue, reward, and then share that with others, isn't it? It's amazing. Listen to what 1 Peter 3.15 says. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That each of us should have on the tip of our tongue an answer of our rescue and reward story, ready to share it with others. I got permission from my dad to share a story with you. You you see, we need to celebrate that actually our kids' ministry has a journey, camp and outreach and aftercare, and that $24,000 as the time, at the time of this recording, has come in for our buses and bus ministry. My dad and mom decided to be a part of supporting that work. And I got to hear a little bit more the why. You see, my dad at four years old was placed in a bus seat. He was sent to a church, and over the next few years, he began to hear about faith. He began to hear about a God who rescues and rewards. He began to hear about the gospel and who Jesus was. Some of those seeds that were planted by those Sunday school teachers that were there were powerful. One moment he shared with me was a teacher that after they had got off the bus, he was looking around the room in the church, and there was a picture of Jesus knocking on a door. My dad asked the question, where's the, not, where's the door handle? How is he going to open it? And the teacher said, well, this really isn't in my lesson today, but can I share with you? She was ready for the hope that she had and ready to share the gospel, and she shared Revelation 3 verse 20, a verse that says, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and that for anyone who opens it, he will come in. That moment was significant because years later, almost 15 years later, my dad found himself not in a chair in a church, not in a a relationship with Jesus that had yet been rescued and rewarded. My dad found himself on some railroad tracks, some railroad tracks where he was literally waiting for the train to come and hit him. He had got to a place in life where he was suicidal. He was ready to take his own life. As he shared this story with me over dinner, my mom and him are in tears and and I'm realizing I'm not here, he's not here if it wasn't for what happened next. On those tracks, he heard the voice of that teacher saying Revelation 3.20, quoting that verse that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. My dad turned his life over to Jesus on those railroad tracks. God came in and rescued him and rewarded him. His life for all of these years since has looked entirely different by God's grace, the gift, the purpose, the preparation, what it's led to and now this generation with a son who actually gets to be his pastor. What an incredible journey of faith. 
I share all of this to ask you a few questions. First, have you received Jesus' rescue and reward? Have you looked to him and allowed him to open that door of your heart? If not, may today be the day that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Scripture says if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we will be saved. Secondly, are you walking by faith into the preparation and the plans that he has for you? Are you being obedient to whatever season you're in? Is, is this a season where he's saying, listen, let me prepare you, let me shape you, let me grow you, let me mold you. Will you do the work like Noah did of building something that God has shown you and it may just be that he's building your life. And then from there, are you sharing your rescue and reward story with others? Is it on the tip of your tongue? Are you ready to share the hope that you have? Because there is a faith that our world needs. There is a truth that our world needs. And you and I are the carriers of that message. So as I pray for us today, may you know that he is the same God that showed up for Noah that wants to show up for us today. He is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And as we follow by faith, I believe he has amazing plans ahead. So Jesus, we love you and praise you. We thank you for your rescue and reward. May each of us take whatever step of faith we need to today. May we be a people that receive the gift, that do the preparation, that follows you into the plans and purposes you have. And may we boldly share our faith, our rescue and reward story with the world around us. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.